Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Steppi. I am excited to be joined by Andy Greeter, the Minnesota writer for the Pioneer Press. Andy, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So this has to be probably one of the more interesting Iowa-Minnesota games, considering all of the postseason implications. Iowa yeah. with a path to a Big Ten West title. Minnesota kind of with a path to the Big Ten West title. A little more than just the bronze pig on the line. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and and obviously bowl game implications with that as well. So yeah, there's there's plenty to to be intrigued about this weekend. So let's start off with quarterback with Minnesota. Mm-hmm. What's the latest? How yeah. likely are Iowa fans to see Tanner Morgan, or is it going to be the redshirt freshman? Yeah, that's that's a difficult one to answer just because, uh, you know, there's no requirements for P.J. Fleck to share anything about what he's planning on doing. Right. I mean, Tanner Morgan uh, missed the Northwestern game with an upper body injury. I think the assumption is, is he suffered his second concussion in a matter of four weeks. Uh, So I think the concern there was, hey, is he suffered another concussion? And and obviously we know the severity of that injury. Uh, in today's football world. Uh, but all they would say is it's an upper body injury. And it sounded like he was still in the medical care of the U medical team uh, here to start this week. So that would lead me to believe that there's still a, a concussion protocol potential there. Uh, and that would mean if, if he stays in that spot, that it would be a, a second straight home start for Ethan Kaliak Manis, uh, who is a, a four-star recruit from Illinois who has shown some some good moments and, and shown that he's a freshman at other times. So you have two different types of quarterbacks here. You have a, a seasoned veteran, a guy in Tanner Morgan, who started 45 consecutive games, who's the winningest quarterback in program history, uh, more of a game manager type versus Ethan Kaliak-Manis, who has a bigger right arm, who can be more damaging in the, in the read option game, who can scramble a little bit more and, and cause stress on a defense if the pocket collapses or if there's a coverage type sack situation. Uh, but again, who's hasn't played a lot of football. And I think we saw that against Northwestern that there are still certain routines that he's not used to and how he wants to handle things, uh, you know, between series. And, and we saw kind of an erratic uh, accuracy against Northwestern. So I know that's a long answer, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it'll be interesting. And I, I assume that we won't have an answer to that until we approach game time on Saturday. That'll be something interesting to watch. And I guess the constant then is Mo Ibrahim. Mm-hmm. Seems like, you know, we hear this a lot with the Big Ten West, but another really top-tier running back. Yeah, no doubt. A, a guy who uh, just eclipsed 4,000 yards uh, in his career. Uh, a guy who has more than 50 touchdowns in his career. I uh, just passed Jonathan Taylor for, I think, sixth all time in, in Big Ten history, a guy who uh, is, you know, rewritten the Gopher record books over the last couple of years, who has been, a you know, an incredible comeback story because he ruptured his Achilles tendon in the season opener last year and decided to come back for a sixth season and and is as good as he's been before. You know, he's he is a, he is a small, stocky running back. Uh, PJ Fleck described him at Big Ten Media Days as a bowling ball with razor blades attached to it. A couple of years ago, he's he's very difficult to bring down. He's a guy who will look like it's a two-yard gain and won't stop 
and all of a sudden it's a five, six yard gain. And then as he kind of continually does that, those, you know, three, four, five, six yard gains will all of a sudden pop and it's 10, 12, 18, 25. He doesn't have the breakaway speed uh, to really turn those into 50, 60, 70 yard touchdowns, uh, but he's going to get the ball a lot. He's been getting it a lot lately, recently. He's a little dinged up, but he's all about uh, going to share a huge workload uh, here this weekend. I'm just picturing the bowling ball with the razors on it. That's Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine that kind of being centrifugal, right? It's hard to yeah. imagine that. But, but then again, if it's coming at you, you don't want to really grab it. And try and bring that <laughs> yeah, I'm staying very clear of a yeah. bowling ball with razors on it. <laughs> Iowa's defense doesn't quite have that luxury. But no, is there something that an opposing defense has done this year that really could be maybe a model for what Iowa could do to maybe not stop, but at least slow down Ibrahim? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it, it starts with uh, getting an early lead, right? I think the Gophers have found when they've fallen behind, you know, Illinois and Purdue, uh, two, lo- two losses that they have this year, they you know fell behind and, and were forced to throw the ball more. And that has been difficult for them when they don't have the opportunity to continually pound Ibrahim on defenses when you're forcing them to pass for able to win on first and second down and create third and long situations and, and play the zone defense that Iowa's has hung its hat on for a long time. That can be very dangerous uh, for this team. So it's, it's taking a lead. It's, it's winning on first and second down uh, to create passing situations where you have a wide receiver core, a pass catching core that doesn't really have an alpha and has had a bit of a case of drops recently and erratic throws. That's really the recipe to, to take him out is to force them to pass. And then a question that would only get asked in the Big Ten podcast, the offensive <laughs> line. Have a yeah. Remington Trophy candidate there. What should Iowa fans expect up front? Yeah, I mean, as you guys had last year with Tyler Linderbaum, John Michael Schmitz is is the potential guy to, to win it in the Big Ten West in, in back-to-back years. Uh, he's one of the highest-graded players by pro football focus. Um, he's a guy who, like Mo, who's come back for his sixth year and and really been able to kind of solidify his status here uh, with the Gophers. Um, they've got uh, new guys on both sides of them, um, but they've collectively done a very good job. They've they don't give up a lot of sacks. They limit the pressures that they give up, and and you see what Mo's able to do. Now Mo is also like we talked about. Uh, the type of guy that has an insane amount of yards after contact. Um, so he covers up a little bit of issues that that they do have in, in run blocking. Um, but yeah, John Michael Schmitz, uh, a guy from Illinois who's a potential first-round pick like Tyler Linderbaum was, uh, is a continuation of great center play here in the Big Ten West. With that, in terms of pass protection, what should Iowa fans expect Iowa's past defense has had some pretty good games. I think it's Northwestern had seven yeah. sacks from seven different players. Yeah. And I think your some of your edge guys, uh, Luke Van Ness, uh, and some of the other guys on the edge um have you know been able to get home more than than other places. And that's where the gophers are probably a little bit more susceptible. You know, right tackle Quinn Carroll, a, a local a guy who who transferred back from Notre Dame, he's been uh, a little bit more susceptible on the on the right tackle spot for for those guys coming off that edge. Uh, Ariante Ursery is a, a young player at left tackle 
who they really like, who's, who's had good moments, but uh, is young and, and inexperienced as well. So if you're looking to find a way to create pass rush, uh, the Hawkeye edge players are, are really the way to do it against the gopher offensive line. And then on the flip side, the Iowa offense versus the Minnesota defense, I'm sure the Gophers are probably licking their lips a little bit at this possible matchup. Where's really the strength, in your opinion, of this Minnesota defense? Yeah, I think it really, uh, I think they've been good at all three levels. You know, they're one of the best in the nation for a reason, and it's because they're solid pretty much everywhere. But I think it really starts uh, with their safety play. Uh, Jordan Howden and Tyler Newbin have been the pair for, for going on three years now and uh, have been playing at a really high level. They've been able to come up and, and fill in the box. Uh, they've been able to, to ball hawk as safeties in the back. Uh, it's allowed the Gophers to do different things up front because they trust those guys to be able to, to cover in space. Um, so I really think that's that's been the key for them. They've got four guys uh, who are seniors who are going out after playing a, a lot of football. Um, they feel like, uh, you know, we haven't really talked about it, but obviously this game means a lot in Minnesota because they haven't had it uh, in PJ flex time. They haven't had it for seven years. Um, uh, and I think it, it really bothers a lot of people here at Minnesota that it hasn't been done. And I think those seniors uh, feel it acutely just because they've been involved in, in more of those types of games. And that's one thing that when I first moved to Iowa, I didn't really realize how much there's a little bit of bad blood between Iowa and Minnesota. So I imagine those seven years can add up kind of quickly when you have that empty trophy case. Yeah, no doubt. And the fact that you've uh, PJ Fleck has never done it right. I think he's, he's had success against the other rival in Wisconsin. He's won the ax, I think two out of the last four years. So being able to be successful there and kind of being able to, be in the conversation for the Big Ten West, but routinely, annually losing to the Hawkeyes. And I think, you know, 2020 was really, I don't know, John, if that was when you were here or not, but that one was obviously a huge one uh, just because of the way it went down, right? It was all Iowa and P.J. Fleck was trying to trying to stave off the shutout and try to save a little bit of face. And he called a timeout with you know, less than 20 seconds left and Kirk Ferentz was, was not having that. And called three straight timeouts, as as all Hawkeye fans uh, remember, and had the famous quote afterwards that, you know, he said, "We'll leave our timeouts here, and we'll take Floyd with us." And PJ Fleck could do nothing about it. And I think that was really uh, damaging, right? I think when we talk about the overall uh, rivalry, you know, it's been it's been close a, a number of times, right? Twenty nineteen, last year, both have been really close. I think some of the issues has been. I was taking a lead a lot of times, and I think I and PJ Fleck has been more conservative. He's more of a conservative type coach. He might have a very outgoing personality, but when he's on the field at crucial moments, he can be he can be more conservative. And I think that is that's been damaging to him to to get over the hump against the Hawkeyes. I wasn't on the beat yet when there was the leave the timeouts and take Floyd with us. But rest assured, I have heard that one a few times from Iowa fans, and they're the ones who are on the beneficial side of that comment. I'm sure that I think maybe were, left a little bit there, of scorn. Weren't there t-shirts made, cities. too? I think I remember there being t-shirts made with that quote on it. I think I that remember. That sounds about right. I can't think off the top of my head. The most popular t-shirt in Iowa, I think, is probably the punting is winning t-shirts with Tory Taylor. So it's hard to top that one. 
It's a good one. It's a good one. And it's really been the recipe to be able to get it done. Right. I think that's why they're in a better position in the West, right. They've had good special teams play. They've got four defensive touchdowns. That's really helped them. And, and their offense has been kind of dragged along through this and had better moments recently. And that's what I think the gopher defense is trying to try to look at, right. They look at Sam Laporta. They look at, is it Caleb Johnson and kind of yeah. what they've done in the last couple of weeks, uh, as opposed to what their entire body of work does as shown, um, not looking at their yards per play at 128 <laughs> or whatever it is, but the success recently is, is really kind of where the Gophers are, are giving the Hawkeyes respect. And that's something that probably wouldn't have said 30 weeks ago after the Ohio state game, where there were three and four and kind of the national laughing stock, but Northwestern and Purdue, they look better than Wisconsin. They won despite a huge yardage discrepancy, thanks to two big special teams plays and a pick six. But that seems to be the way that some of these games go down, where, okay, the bizarre plays can make a difference there. In terms of the defensive front, Iowa's offensive line has been certainly a weakness this year, Mm -hmm. as it's been kind of talked about nationally. Yeah. What should what could potentially be the attacking points here from this Minnesota defensive front? Yeah, um, it's been interesting for the Gophers because they've they've struggled uh, to create a lot of pressures early on this year. They've had success in recent weeks. You know, I think the Hawkeyes are are last in the in the Big Ten and in pass blocking grade by Pro Football Focus, and Nebraska was is the second worst and the Gophers had had quite a bit of success being able to get home against a, a poor offensive line for the Cornhuskers. So I think you could see success there. I think there's isn't there a change potential at guard along the, the Hawkeyes offensive line. So that might be another opportunity for them to create some pressures. You know, internally, they haven't done a lot of pressures. So I think that might be a, a, a way to win if you're playing a, a backup. You know, Jod Joyner is a young player that the Gophers have on the edge. Uh, and he had a, a, probably his best game uh, for the Gophers last week against Peter Skaronsky, uh, you know, the All-American candidate tackle for Northwestern. And, uh, you know, he won uh, multiple times there. He forced Skaronsky into a couple holding penalties. Uh, so I think they look at Ja Joyner as, as a guy that they feel is kind of coming into his own and having a great week against arguably the best tackle in the conference, if not the nation. Um, so Jod Joyner, number 17, is a guy to watch on the edge. That'll be interesting. As you were mentioning, Bo Stevens, not expected. Yeah. Well, probably not going to play. Didn't entirely rule him out, but was not a very optimistic sound of it. So there's going to be that opening there. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about special teams. What should, or it looks like I was seeing punting maybe hasn't necessarily been the source of winning for Minnesota. Yeah, it, there's no catchy phrase. There's no t-shirts here in Minnesota <laughs> about the punting. You know, the fellow Aussie and Mark Crawford, um, he's been okay. You know, he hasn't been able to flip the field as much as Tory Taylor's been able to do. Uh, you know, he's able to, to pin it at times. Uh, in the coffin corner kind of area. He's, he's got a knack for that at times, um, but, you know, not quite at the same level. Their, their kicker, uh, Matthew Trickett, uh, has been good, really good. Over 90% uh, of his kicks have gone in. He had two really big ones uh, at Nebraska a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of them into the wind, and we haven't talked about the weather, what's expected here in Minneapolis, but uh, it's it sounds like it's going to be 
going to be bad weather. It sounds like it's going to be windy. It sounds like it's going to be cold. It sounds like it's going to be dry. Uh, but the wind swirls uh, at Huntington Bank Stadium, especially with the open end that they have on the, I think it's the east side. Uh, I think that's where the wind's going to be coming from, but uh, it doesn't really, uh, you know, show that that's exactly where it's going to stay once it's in the stadium. It's it's funky like that. Um, but I think that'll be a factor, right? I think we're looking at, at a potential, I think the over-under that I saw was 32 and a half, which is something that's been following the Hawkeyes all year <laughs> long. How low will it go uh, in games involving the great Hawkeye defense and the bad Hawkeye offense? And you have a similar situation in Minnesota, right? You have a, a really strong defense and an offense that is, is one-dimensional. Um, and then you throw in the weather, you know, points are going to be very, very scant, I think, in this game. And like you said, the recipe that happened against uh, Wisconsin could be in play again, right? Special teams could have a, a you know, even more crucial, crucial role uh, in, the, in the outcome on Saturday. I hadn't brought up the weather partially because I'm trying to block it out. And if I don't think about it, then I won't have to walk to the press box and back in what high of 17 degrees. I think now it's supposed to be right. And I think 14 earlier, either way, it's cold. And then you, and then you factor in a double digit wind and we're talking, you know, wind chills in the single digits. So I already yeah. made the joke once, Emma, look like Randy from A Christmas Story when he couldn't put his arms down going <laughs> in and out of the press box. Yeah, uh, I think, uh, yeah, it might be, it might be challenging. I mean, the thing is, is the Minnesota parking situation for reporters, not to get too inside baseball, is, <laughs> is nice, but it's not as good as you have at Kinnick Stadium where it's, you know, literally across the street. Uh, it's a couple of blocks, so you'll have to deal with that, but now, once you're in the stadium, I think it'll be easier to to get to the visiting press area. And I think, you know, hopefully you have a spot in the second row of the press box because anything in that front row, you're going to need to have those fingerless gloves and maybe some hand warmers. But if you're in the second row, you should be fine. Well, that's good information to have. So, you know, I'll be stocking up on those. I'll just have the big bag of them. There you go. Target. I'll pick that up on the way. and. Then we'll be set. Then in terms of score prediction, what are you expecting? Uh, that's a that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think it, I think, you know, it'll probably be something like a 14, 10, you know, 17, 14. You know, Iowa had that funky game with was it South Dakota State where they scored seven points and it was a yeah, field goal. Seven to three with two safeties and a field goal. Yeah, it could be something like that. It could be like 15 to 12 or some weird some weird number uh, just given, like we talked about, you know, these good defenses, uh, the lack of, of offensive firepower and, and kind of the weather. So I think it'll probably, I would probably take the under even if it is 32 and a half. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's probably going to be, yeah, like I said, something in the teens. Yeah. And I think it could come down to really that one turnover, that one yeah. bad punch, that one missed field goal, it kind of feels like one of those games where maybe Iowa isn't supposed to win, but somehow they come away with a win, that kind of thing. I think my official score prediction was 17-14 Iowa, where, okay, if you squeak away with one play, it could be one of those games. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I fully agree that, you know, it could be something like that. And 
I think it would make a, a lot of Gopher fans and people in their football facility uh, really want to pull their hair out if it's if it's one of those funky things that happens against the Gophers that you know it's just something that's outside of their control a, a punt that goes for 15 yards or a 30 yard like you said a 30 yard field goal that you know should be able to split the uprights takes the wind and I think you know they both have been good against the turnover margin I think they're both plus five so they've been able to kind of win that battle um but I think Iowa just has such a knack for that that I think especially scoring off of those where you think you know it's is it going to be something like that I know that really bothers <laughs> gopher fans is oh they did it again they they scored another defensive touchdown or here was this funky tip pass interception but I think you know, when you're, you kind of create your own luck, right? I think that's yeah. really what it is, is when you're in the right spots and, and you're aggressive and, and you, you know, make the right plays, then you kind of benefit from, from being in those spots. And I think it, it irks Gopher fans, but I think it just shows the quality that, that Iowa has uh, defensively. Yeah. It's been kind of their MO really when things go well, they've traditionally been able to force turnovers and, Last week with the pick six was just the latest example of that. So it'll be an interesting, maybe cold if I'm in the first row, hopefully second row. Good to have this information now. Yeah, so see, it's not just the listeners of the Hawk Off the Press podcast that really benefit from this. My own self-preservation here, most yeah. importantly. Yeah, looking out for number one, you know, that's yes. what you got to do. Yeah. The priorities here. Well, Andy, thanks for joining me. Yeah, it was fun. I, I appreciate you having me on and, and uh, let's uh, let's connect in the press box on Saturday. Yes. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into another episode of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. Mike and I will be back with an edition of Hawk Off the Press after the final score after Saturday's game. Until then, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.